So I'm really excited about what we're going to do this morning. Um, for those of you that are here for the first time, we are in the middle of a sermon series called Race and the Gospel. And so we've talked about um, many different things. We've already had probably eight sermons in this series. And today we're going to take some time to celebrate ethnicities, cultures, um, heritages that are found among our church body. And so we asked four different people to sit on a panel this morning and share with you some of the things they celebrate and then some of the things they struggle with so that we can get to know one another better and celebrate those things um, together this morning. It's impossible to include every ethnicity that we have represented among us. And so we hope that this will be the start of a bigger and ongoing conversation between you guys to be able to share those things about the particular ethnicity that you come from. So I'm going to start by introducing our panel. I'm going to call them up one at a time, and they're going to sit up here in these chairs. And I've already spoken to most of them this morning, and some of them are super nervous. So be really patient with them. Be really thankful for them to be willing to do this, because this is a big deal. So first, I'm going to call up Tom. Tom is married to the beautiful Autumn and has been married for about three months. Tom graduated from UNT with a degree in mechanical and, in, and energy engineering. He currently works. works as an HVAC engineer at Root Engineering Services in Van Alstine. Tom grew up in Thailand and came to the U.S. when he was 16. So please welcome our panelists. Okay, next I'm going to call up Troy. Troy! Troy is a senior at UNT. He is majoring in history, and he grew up in the Wiley area. Oh, really? <laughs> and the next panelist I'm going to call up is Lorraine. Junior at UNT, majoring in Integrative Studies, English, Journalism, and Photography are her studies. She has moved around the DFW area since she was five. Please welcome. Our final panelist this morning is Vianette. has been married to the handsome Sean for about seven months. She graduated from UNT with her bachelor's in rehabilitation studies. She has a minor in addictions. She is currently at UNT working on her master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Vianette moved to Fort Worth when she was six and she didn't move again until she came to college. So you know just a smidgen about each of our panelists. Please welcome all of our panelists. I'm gonna let you hold that one. Is this on? Does anybody have a clue? Thank you. I don't know whoever. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Do you want the water? I don't even know what's back there. It's okay. It's. I don't know. I lost it again. Okay, are you guys ready? Oh no, my family's here. Welcome to Lorraine's family, and I know Troy's family is here as well. We welcome you guys. 
Okay, we're going to jump right in. So the panel has had this list of questions to be thinking about, and they are going to answer two or three of the questions each. But then as they're sitting there listening to each other, if they decide they want to jump in on another question, they're going to do that as well. So the first question that I'm going to ask everybody to answer is to describe your ethnicity to the audience. It doesn't matter, however y'all want to do it. All right, I guess it's me. Um, so I'm Mexican. I just became an American like two weeks ago. Right? So I'll add that in there. I think the way I've really struggled with the concepts of race, ethnicity, and culture, and I'll talk about that later. So I think for this one, I'd like to talk more about my culture as a whole because I'm very proud of the Mexican culture and just how lively and the sense of community that it has. Um, I grew up in an immigrant family in Fort Worth in a neighborhood that was primarily Hispanic. Um, very traditional, very Mexican, like very much like gender roles were a, a huge deal. Um, it was a low-income low neighborhood. All of the schools I ever went to were primarily a minority. Um, I didn't realize we were all going to answer this question when they gave us the, the, the list, so I didn't choose this one because I knew I was going to struggle with it. What you can say as much or as little as you want. Yeah, so I'll leave it at that and I'll pass it around and then uh, I would say my ethnicity, I'm black and I am an American. I grew up in an area that was predominantly like white, so a lot of the things that like how I dress and how I talk uh, are very much influenced by like white culture, but also like the things that are from black culture, etc., and other cultures. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Hi. Um, so I'm black. Surprise. But um, <laughs> my parents are. <laughs> My parents are Nigerian immigrants, and they <laughs> and they also lived in England for like a good bit of time. So my cultural, like racial, ethnic identity is pretty like mixed with like influences from like Britain and America and blackness, <laughs> and also whiteness because. Uh, for me, I grew up in Thailand for my whole entire life, so. I come here when I was 16, and I stayed with the host family at, well, I come here as a chance student, but I stay with uh, African-American family, and when I look up the definition of ethnicity, it talks about more like practice of culture, language, religion, and stuff, so when that happened, it's I'm like Thai, but mostly I practice like American culture. Okay, the next question is, how do you view the interaction between your race and your ethnicity, or do you even see a difference? So, this is the first question that I answered, and it's really long. And I like, sent it to Brad and see if it was okay, and he never responded, so I assume that it's so I really struggled with the difference between race and ethnicity because, I, like I said, I was six when I moved here, and so I was the first in my family to learn how to speak English, and for a very long time I was the only in my family, the only person in my family who spoke English. So when it came to translating things, like I was at um, filling out my own school paperwork, translating bills, um, going to the bank, going to stores, I did all of that. So I think as a six-year-old, I took on the sense of responsibility of well-being over my family, so I never wanted to ask questions for my mom and my dad whenever I felt like they wouldn't know the answer. Because I didn't like not knowing things, so I assumed that they wouldn't either. So when checking like race and ethnicity, I just assumed we were other. And every time I marked other, it felt very much like I didn't belong. Um, I'm really nervous, And then it made it even worse that I could only mark like being Hispanic on a separate question with the ethnicity question. So it sounds really dramatic now, but I think as a child, it was always like an identity crisis. Like, I'm not sure who I am and like where I fit into this country. So I really struggled with that for a very long time. Um, and it actually, I didn't have like a full-on identity of, related to race and ethnicity 
until a couple of years ago when um, Sean's mom got a DNA test for me. And that was really cool. I got to send in a bunch of like spit in a little flask. <laughs> and um, it came back and the results were that something like 50% um, European, Spanish, Greek, um, Jewish, and then 50% Native American. And that's the time where I realized I do have a race. And like that's what a Mexican is. You assume half Spanish, half indigenous. That's what I am. But um, because race is a social construct, as a mixed person, um, half white, half Native American, that was never something I could put on a form. So it was always really difficult for me to figure out like what exactly I am. So I think now that I understand those differences, I choose not to identify with a race um, and instead embrace my culture and my ethnicity a lot more than I do um, the social construct. For me, um, it's very difficult as well. Um, it's like almost daily struggle for me um, because I talk to my mom every single day. Um, and usually it's come up with discussion when she would tell me about what's going on and I would respond. And then sometimes you would get into like argument and she would just bring up like, hey Tom, that's like American values. You forget about Thai culture, you forget about Thai values. Um, for example, of those are, um, in here, like here in the US, if you arguing or you discussing with someone, you can bring up facts. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, you have no boundary, well, within respect, right? So you still have respect to your parents but you can bring up facts that stick whatever make more sense to you. But in my culture, you can't talk to elderly people, much less of like point them out that they like, hey, maybe this isn't right, it's not right, or something like that. So when they bring up that argument about you forget about your Thai values or that is just kind of like a tongue card. So usually just end it, I can't say anything anymore. Um, so I would say like, because I live here for so long, I absorb a lot of American values and how they talk to their parents, how they talk to each other, how they act. And oftentimes, I think I bring that to my family and just realizing like they are different. So it's just a struggle for me. And it's still going on, so. Does anybody else want to answer that question before we move on? Okay, I'm just going to say one thing to our panelists before we move on, and that is that um, I know that some of you are very nervous, and I know that some of these questions are very difficult to answer, and some of them are very personal and very emotional to answer. And so you guys don't have to feel bad about that. You know, do the best that you can do to answer the question. And we appreciate anything that you can share with yeah. us. And if you get emotional and you cry or you get angry about something, that is okay. That's what we expect when you're sharing something personal. So I want you guys to feel really comfortable and really supported that we're really behind you and that uh, we're your biggest fans today. Okay, so the next question is, what is it like living in Dallas as a fill-in-the-blank, as a black, as an Asian, as a Latino? And who wants to answer that question? Okay, so I'm just gonna read what I prepared. Okay, so I've lived a majority of my life in the Dallas Metroplex. Uh, my family resided in predominantly white suburban areas. A majority of my experience in, experiences in the suburbs often led me to feel indifferent, isolated, or inadequate. As a modern black woman, I constantly have to be aware of my of my surroundings and my behavior. For instance, many companies view natural hair of, of black women as unprofessional and ugly. And since I have like decided to wear my natural hair, um, I have to prepare myself for the fact that I may not get certain jobs because of my hair texture, um, which is like obviously not much, like I can't control the way my hair grows out of my head. Um, another example, black women are often viewed as loud, angry, and bitter. This stereotype is limited and false, which can be proven by like black women like Takesia, who are really soft and kind and like gentle. Uh, however, my personality is quite loud and passionate, 
So often I fear that I am just perpetuating stereotypes by being myself. This can be really hard for me to think through because it is simply unfair that on a regular basis I have to decide whether it's okay, it's okay or not to be myself. Um, so yeah. Thank you. Does anyone else want to answer that question? Okay, the next question is, what is it like being a black, Asian, Latino, Christian, whatever applies to you, Christian? Um, I have had a really cool experience with this. I grew up in a predominantly black church, um, and if, for most of y'all, you don't know what that's like, and uh, so what it is, is it's like a mixture between your religion and your culture all in one. Uh, with like the songs that you sing and the way that the pastor preaches like passionately. Uh, so yeah, I've had a really cool experience growing up in a church like that. And then now that I go here, I have that uh, ability to draw other people into that, uh, mixing in the way that we worship God into the way that we live our lives. Um, and I also have had like really cool conversations with people who have grown up in that environment, like Bradley and Tyrus, about just like music and stuff. So that's been cool too. So again, I think I, I struggled with this one because I don't think I became a Christian until I started Focus, so um, when I was out of my house. But now that I uh, am a Mexican, I have been Mexican, I am Christian, I think the biggest struggle is separating um, the Mexican culture, which is very spiritual and very um, uh, traditional in its beliefs about what spirituality means and how that is really infused with the Catholic culture and how it's really tied into um, a lot of the indigenous beliefs that were in Mexico before the Spanish came. And because I don't believe in those things anymore, I'm not, when I go home, I'm often, my, my family argues that I'm not um, as, like kind of what Tom was talking about, that I'm losing my Mexican culture. And then whenever I am here, um, the aspects that I still do believe in, um, just growing up, there's some things I can't shake off, like about like like scary stories. I love a good ghost story because growing up, like that was a very big thing in my family, and it's just a big tug of um, what do I believe in because of my culture, and what do I believe in because of um, being a Christian. But overall, um, being Christian has given me an identity. Like I said, I didn't have a very strong identity before, so having a, an identity in Christ has really helped me um, understand who I am a lot more than anything else could have. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. um, for me, um, I, my background, so my whole family um, is Buddhist, so I have a Buddhist background, grow up, practice about 16 years um, until I came here and then basically I become a Christian. And not really serious about until I enter focus. So, um, so what it's like to be an Asian Christian? So first of all, I have to give you guys background um, that you know for here, like church and state, they like try to separate, right? You know, church, church business, state is like they do like separate things, but in Thailand. Um, the majority believe in Buddhism. So, but that's just not separate. We have holidays around it, and they like deeply like integrate into like fabric of culture. So a lot of their values is from Buddhist values, and a lot of it is like Buddhist value, even though they're not saying it, but it's from them, right? So the major difference between Buddhist and being Christian is the concept of grace and forgiveness because you know Buddhists believe in karma and what you do good karma is like you grant good karma and my parents really like believe in karma like we have ever since then more nowadays like we have more discussion about like am I gonna get good karma when I pass away because they believe like when someone passed away you still continue to go to temple and then basically like feed the monks and like dedicate the good karma to them but we Christian does not have that right so um, so that and the idea of forgiveness as well like because they believe in karma everything they do is like have consequences 
whether it's this life or next life. So for them to understand that like your sin is forgiven, like Christ already died for you, you don't have to worry about that. It doesn't make sense because they still, you know, believe in that. So for me, um, it's like still something I try to figure it out, how to have conversation with them, um, and just you know, like in general, just slowly guide them because you know it's just really, really, really difficult for them to understand that concept. Okay, so I'd like to say that in this community, I've been in this community for like three years now, or like two and a half, and I've never felt more supported, um, like in regards to Mary's, like in my entire life. So shout out to y'all. <laughs> um, but it is still really hard because there is like pretty few black women, um, and so I think even though I feel really supported by this community. Um, there's certain struggles I have where I feel like almost stuck because like the majority of my friends are white and so sometimes if I have struggles in regards to my race, it like is easy to believe that no one is going to understand or like no one is going to be able to like give me advice um, and which like makes me feel distant from God if I'm like internalizing a lot of like pain or like hard questions. Um, so I think that can be challenging. Um, and then I think also like so there's this thing called microaggressions, which is like basically when you make comments that aren't like necessarily racist, but they kind of reduce someone's character. Is that like a good way to explain it? Yeah. Um, and so um, I think that's like something that a lot of people experience, like a lot of like minorities experience, and I'm sure white people maybe. I think uh, I'm, maybe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's something I that's something I definitely experience. Um, and so I think in this community, or just like in general, as I'm growing up and maturing, it's hard for me to question like, okay, so if this person says this microaggression, should I challenge them about this? Or should I just like forget about it and have a lot of grace? And I think that's a pretty hard question because like in order to challenge that, that comment, I have to like break down all of these like sociological like theories, like this is why that's not okay to say. And that can just be really draining after a while. So I think that can be pretty challenging. Um, any examples? Uh, I guess like, oh, Lorraine, you're like such a cool black girl. Like, I love you. And I'm just like, okay, I, yeah, I get that I'm black, but why is that like a definitive factor in our friendship? Like, why can't I just be your friend? Yeah. Which, yeah, which is complicated and hard because obviously my blackness is important and you should recognize that, but like sometimes I feel like that's all people care about or they don't, don't see past that. Um, or it's like so astonishing that as a black woman I'm like cool or like fun or uh, whatever. <laughs> you guys are doing a great job. What is the most hurtful thing people say or do regarding your race and ethnicity? <laughs> I really struggled with this one and Sean was falling asleep last night so he was a real. But I wasn't sure if the wording of it would make sense because I think when I was thinking about what was the most hurtful thing, um, it would, I could only think of something that can come up as really positive. So I often hear that Mexicans and Hispanic were really hard workers. And while that sounds like a good thing, I think it indicates that we can only do manual labor. And I think that comes from like the idea that most of people in construction or in kitchens or um, doing yard work, they're Hispanic. And while um, most of my family does those jobs and I'm very proud of them for doing it, and I think um, it's great that we do do that and we are hard workers, I just don't think that the idea of that's all that we can do. And I don't think people necessarily think that that's all that we can do, but I think that's just what it implies to me when I hear it. And it just adds to the stereotype that as a Hispanic person, you're only capable of doing manual labor. And it just really, um, I think it's hurtful, especially whenever you're Hispanic and you're not doing manual labor. Like just yesterday, I was at Michael's, very obviously carrying a shopping cart, and I was stopped and someone asked me if I work there. It's like, well, I'm carrying a shopping cart. And at first it didn't hurt my feelings, but then afterwards in thinking about this, I was like, had I been blonde with a shopping cart, would they have thought that I worked there? And I don't think they would have. And I think that's just one of those things where like, if you only consider um, Hispanic people as hard workers and manual labor, that's what it um, counts to. Um, 
So this is pretty hard for me. Might start crying, but we'll see how it goes. Okay. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to read this quote that I found that I think articulates a lot of good things. So it's by this Asian-American um, writer whose parents immigrated here from China. Um, okay, I'm just going to read it. Her name is Jenny Zhang. She's a good poet, I guess. Okay. Growing up in America, I experienced two puberties. The first opened up to me the possibilities of adulthood. The second reinforced that for someone like me, an immigrant, a minority, an Asian American, there were limits. In the second coming of my age, I had to contend with the pain of wanting a beautiful white body, not out of some misguided vanity, but because I saw over and over how whiteness conferred an instant legitimacy. And so I think like a lot of the pain or like hurt that I experience um, comes from this like uh, this like societal standard of like whiteness as good and everything else that uh, like cannot attain up to whiteness is like not good enough. So I think I've like a lot of people have communicated things to me that make me feel not good enough as a black woman. Um, so like I'm gonna read something I wrote and it's in reference to like middle like elementary school until kind of now, but not so much as now because you guys are really supportive. But I still hear these things now. Okay, so. People are often cordial, but make, make it clear to me that I am just their black friend, that I am not like them, that I will never be. I often hear comments like, oh, I'm shaking so hard, <laughs> that like, you're cool for a black girl, or you are smart for a black girl, or you aren't like other black people, or Lorraine, you are the whitest black girl. You aren't even black, you're cool. Or my personal favorite, you're pretty for a black girl. These types of comments are degrading because they communicate that black people are one-dimensional, stupid, and ugly. They communicate that white, that white culture and beauty are the social standards and anything that comes below that is not good enough, as I was saying before. And so I think like a pretty like pungent, is that the word? Example of this is um, poignant. Yeah, um, example of this is um, in like dating, because as we all know, dating is a pretty, like, hot topic. Um, <laughs> like, like, for us, but also just for, like, people our age, right? So, um, I haven't started crying yet, so, like, cool. Um, so, recently, and I've heard this a lot, like, I heard this a lot whenever I was in middle school and high school, and blah, 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 but a lot of people will say, like, oh, yeah, you're pretty for a black girl, or, like, oh, I'm not attracted to black women, but, like, you're okay. Um, and recently, in our community, someone told me that they, um, like, don't date black girls. Um, and they told me it to my face, and later they said it was a joke and that they were just kidding. But obviously, like, whenever I go on dates or whenever I talk to men of any race, I'm always thinking, like, I wonder if he, like, would be attracted to me because I'm black. Or, like, I wonder if he knows that maybe he's not attracted to me because I'm black. Like, does he even recognize that? Um, and so whenever that, that guy said that to me, that like confirmed all of these insecurities and fears that I hoped were not true. Um, or, or like one time my friend Carol, who like is super passionate like me, uh, was kind of like, I was telling her about my, my struggles and so she talked to a group of like her white friends and right, white male friends and she was telling them like, yeah, like you guys need to be more proactive about asking uh, black girls on dates in her community. And they were all like, well, we can't help who we're attracted to, sorry. Like, that's not our problem. Um, so I think things like that often just make me feel really worthless, um, even in our community. Like, it's like when I'm outside of our community, I like, I'm kind of okay with this idea of like men not valuing me. But when I'm inside our community, like inside our family, it's really hard to think that, like, oh, like I'm still not good enough. Um, and so, um, yeah. So like, oh wait, I also like don't hate being black anymore. I used to when I was younger, but it still again like makes me feel worthless sometimes. So, yeah. um, for me, I really I like <laughs> think about this another day, and um, I like told Autumn about it, that these two keep coming back, and I tell you what, it's like <coughs> one of the most simple. Thing, and it may come out I'm being like oversensitive but just to let you know and I, I give the reason why okay so hear me out so first one so when they ask me when people ask me 
hey, where are you from? And I was like, I'm from Thailand. Oh, Taiwan? And I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> right? And, and people get that a lot, right? Like people, I'm continue hearing them, and I bet you 10 years from now, I'm still continue, gonna continue hearing them, and I probably respond the same way. But here's why it's hurtful, right? Taiwan and Thailand is like two different cultures, like two different countries. One half like majority like Chinese influence, and the other one like on the Southeast Asia, and they eat different foods, speak different language. On the map, they like different. So, <laughs> right, but like oftentimes, like if, but it's such a simple thing that like people just like tell me to brush it off. Like it just like why you you know think this is. Like things, this is not funny and offensive, but I just like, well, you know, if you look at the map and if you study a little bit, just you know, it's like it's different. Like it, it's true, it's different, but you know, like so that's the first one. Second one is even more common than that, and it's really hurtful. Um, is that I'm sure if you have Asian friends or no Asian, right? You probably mock their accent sometimes. You either go. Ching Chong Ching, like you're speaking Chinese right now, I don't really understand you. Um, that's kind of hurtful too, if you think about it, right? Because I am like, English is my second language. So my first language is Thai, I definitely fluent in it. Uh, but I lost my writing now, just to let y'all know. Uh, I, I didn't practice writing, right? I can like talk to my mom, I can read online, but I can't like write to someone, obviously. So, because when you not practice, you're losing it. Anyhow, um, there isn't that kind of hurtful sometimes because of like we like spend really like lots of lots of resources like you have no idea to just learn another language and those you have to start really young like when you a kid you have to like invest like for them to have like certain tongue like, if you would have tried to like learn Thai or like any other language your tongue probably like, can't even pronounce them right. Like, for example, in Thai languages, there's like a tone. So if you like speak in different tones, it's carry different meaning entirely. Like, I can give you an example later, you can have talk to me. Um, for example, right, and you may, may or may not tell the difference. So one of them is Gai, and another one is Gai. So Gai is mean far, Gai is mean near. So it's just like different tone, it's like different times. And I think a lot of them, it's like, people don't realize this too, is that you guys speak English, right? You can go any other country in the world, you will have stuff accommodate for you. There'll be like, the sign that say hospital and you have like English hospital, right? And you can speak like in English, and I'm sure like, for the best of their knowledge, even though they can't speak much, they can guide you to hospital or guide you to grocery store or guide you somewhere that accommodate you need. But if I like come here and I start speaking my native tongue, you probably like, what is this? Like, why did this guy speak? <laughs> like, you know? So um, it's just hurtful because I feel like us as an immigrant or different culture, like we like really take time and investment to learn to speak English and that's why it's our second language, and that's why it's difficult, and it's entirely different. So, so those are two things that keep coming back to my mind, and those, like, every time people say that, and they just laugh it off, they think it's, like, so simple, and they think it's, like, really funny, and it's, like, that I should not be offended by it. And they keep telling me, like, not to be offended by it, right? So when you say those things, it's like, yeah, it's funny, right? Like, can you say that again? They just laugh it off, and that's okay. So, does that make sense? Yes. Thank you guys for being honest and vulnerable. I know that was a difficult question to answer, and we appreciate your honesty. What about your ethnicity and race do you most celebrate as a gift from God? Um, for me, I would say food. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know me, I'm proud of my food. 
I'm um, proud of like my culture when it comes to food and God created food for us to enjoy. <laughs> so I, I asked all of them to confirm this that this is okay answer. And for us, like as a family or couple, uh, we went to um, like restaurant down Carrollton that we really like, and they serve like I'm not kidding. Like I like cry when the meal. It's close to home. Like even like Thai like Thai restaurant in Denton, there's like nowhere matching. So <laughs> so like I celebrate food with you know my family and stuff. So that's for me. I think um, the liveliness of my culture and the sense of community that we have is something that I just really um, enjoy and that I miss a lot. Like when I go home and it's just sitting like on our porch and it's just everyone there talking at the same time and eating, like that's the best part of my family and my ethnicity, I think just, um, I, it really struck me like seeing other cultures that they don't interact that we do or that being loud is seen as a bad thing or um, <laughs> individuality is really valued in American culture but in, in mine it's not, it's all about like um, the group as a whole and I think that's something that's very Christ-like and so I really value that in my family, my ethnicity. So when I was preparing for this question, I was like, nah, like I couldn't think of anything in regards to my race. But like with my family here, I was like, and you guys talking, it inspired a few thoughts. So like my Nigerian ethnicity, I think like, even though that's had its own struggles, um, I think like from my mother, I've like learned that the world isn't just American and that there's like so much. And I think that's really opened my mind and helped me be open-minded and try to like um, understand people and understand where they come from. Um, yeah, I think that's like really fueled my passion for all the things I'm passionate about. Uh, but like in regards to being black, I like, I like am right now in the process of like thinking through all the things, uh, all like the pain and like hurt that I've been through. And like right now I really can't think of any like good things about being like black. Um, I kind of like view it as a burden right now. Um, it's just like pretty painful. Um, but like I'm sure in a couple of years I'll like be able to think about things. But right now it just kind of seems like it again, like I don't hate being black in the way that I used to when I was like maybe in middle school. Um, but it just seems like this like really unfair weight that I have to carry around. Um, whereas like my white friends maybe don't have to think about their race all the time, but like I feel like I always do. So yeah. Well, I think one thing I celebrate as being a black man in America is uh, music. I think the black yeah. culture really has some great music, uh, starting with like jazz uh, and inventing that. Uh, yeah. And then going up to like poetry and then like slam poetry and eventually to rap. Yeah, you're I think the black culture is really blessed um, the world with the music that we. Yeah. So how has a better understanding of your race and ethnicity drawn you closer to God? Okay, so, uh, yeah, so like I was saying before, I'm like literally right now, this has probably been the hardest semester or like hardest season of my life because like I'm a Christian and so I'm trying to be more like Christ, uh, which means surrendering a lot of like lies and thoughts that I tend to cling on to. Um, so this has probably been the hardest uh, time of my life while thinking about my race. Um, so right now I feel pretty distant from God because I'm, like, I tend to just think about all the ways that like, things are unfair. Um, and it makes me feel like, okay, God, like, why is it so hard to be a black woman? Or like, why do I have to go through all these things? Which in a way seems like entitled or seems like petty. But again, like when I'm constantly surrounded by like white women who maybe don't have to think about like how people are perceiving them, like in regards to their race or ethnicity, um, it can just feel really unfair. Um, yeah, so it makes me feel pretty far from God. But I think maybe next semester or like in two semesters, I think I'll feel pretty close to God because we often feel close to God um, while recognizing the hope that he brings. It's just really hard for me to recognize that sometimes, most times. <laughs> Anybody else want to answer this? So 
So I had something, and I think I try to make it as positive because it has been positive. I kept, I kept thinking of um, the sermon Josh did a few weeks ago where he went through the Bible, like basically like cover to cover and found verses of where God definitely intended for us to be different nations, and he definitely intended for me to be different than um, other people. But like, like you, Lori, I've just really struggled with um, being okay with that and being okay with accepting that I'm different, but accepting that other people don't are not okay with that, or may say that they are, but aren't fully okay, okay with it. And um, so yeah, I think it is a struggle. But this sermon series has been really helpful in having conversations with people and even um, learning about other cultures myself have been really helpful in um, realizing that this is very much God's intention is for us to be different and um, finding value and that he values me and that he values everyone else in something that I'm still working on. How can people incorporate their racial and ethnic identity with their identity in Christ? Um, I think one thing that <clears throat> the Israelites did really well is they celebrated God. Uh, I would even say like too much with all the festivals they had, uh, just remembering the things that he has done for them. So I think one thing that we can do is uh, we're all part of so many stories. Like for me, I'm a black man living in America who's a Christian. And right there, that's four stories that I'm a part of. So I think learning our past is really important, uh, especially as someone who studies history. Uh, I think it's really important that we understand the stories that we're part of, and we can really see how God works so much through those stories. Uh, and I think that will help us grow closer to God. question and I'm going to combine it uh, with one other one. Uh, the last question is what would you like people to understand about your struggle and your racial ethnic identity? And I also want to give you the opportunity just to make any closing comments that you want to make. If there's anything that we didn't ask a question uh, but you want to say to our group today. Um, if there's anything you've thought of while you're sitting here this is a great time for you to share that with us. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> what would you like people to understand about your struggle with your racial ethnic identity? Um, I think, like, just to recognize that it's an ongoing struggle. And again, like, I am a pretty passionate person, which I'm working on. Like, passionate sometimes in a negative way. I'm working on that. Um, and I think maybe sometimes when I'm processing, and I'm also an external processor, so I think sometimes when I'm processing uh, hard things, it may come off as like I'm just being overly sensitive or I'm just like being dramatic. But again, this is something that like I struggle with like every single day, especially like with most of my friends being white. Um, and yeah, so I think just recognizing that it is hard and it might be hard forever, but it's not hopeless, which is something I have to remind myself. And so maybe like being empathetic is really important, but also like reminding me to be hopeful because I suck at that. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have to like think about the closing comments thing. That's okay. Um, for me, I would say um, that that's different, right? Because, you know, each different culture have different, like, values have different, like, the way people operate, essentially. So, um, if y'all, if y'all don't understand that, sorry, let me give you a backstory. I usually do this. But basically, um, for Asian, right, it's not just Asian, it's different culture in between them. So, like, they're even more than be just Asian. Like, Thai people are, like have different sets of where you, like, with Japanese, with Chinese, with, you know, like, so many different things. So, I think to realize, like, sometimes, like, 
American values is great, right? Like things that you, like there's a, a lots and lots of things that being about American is great, and there's a lot of things about other culture, like other race that's are great as well. And I think when you talk to the person, like you just have to be aware what where they're from and things that you say may not apply or may not be able to apply at all um, to their culture. Um, for example, there's like, um, so I have like family problems, like, you know, like crazy relatives and stuff. And uh, I was like really, really stressed out, right? So my boss being really like observative, like he's like keen eye. He just like called me in and it's like, hey, what's, what's going on? And I was like, being as open as I am, I just tell him what's going on, which, I mean, maybe not a good thing that you tell your boss what's going on in your life deeply, right? So, <laughs> I, I should have known better sometimes. But at the moment, right, I mean, someone just lent an ear, so you just kind of tell him, right? So I just tell him all the story, and he goes, Tom, like, this relative, like, the reason she's angry with you is that you married to a white girl, like you become a Christian, that's why she's angry with you. And I was like, wait, what's that got to do? I don't think I'm marrying like a white girl or be a Christian is the source of this problem. You missing my whole point. And I try to explain to him like, hey, this is not how my culture is. Like, you know, like I, you know, talk to my family and I like, try to figure it out. And he just not like he just stand his ground and like this is like your problem this is the root of it and I was like no 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 it's not you have to understand and they just not get it at all right so you know I think it's just to recognize like different people like have the way different like operation to their culture and that's more to it and not and so when they're telling you that they struggle with something just you know, like really like takes time and like listen them out and ask about their background. You know, not just like, maybe you should go talk to them. Maybe you should confront them. Because like I mentioned earlier, right? In Asian culture, it's not good to disrespect an elderly. So it doesn't matter if you are right 100%, you still cannot do it. And I'm like, and I'm serious about it. So that's still my daily struggle. So, that's my thought to the question. I still thinking about closing argument. I think um, what I was thinking this whole time is that you've heard all of our struggles, and that's just like scratching the surface. But these are like our individual struggles. That doesn't mean that they're, um, if you're sitting next to a person of color, that doesn't mean that that's their struggle. And um, if you are seeing someone who may not seem like they're a person of color, and they still have some sort of minority status in another way, they're still, they have a very uh, a personal struggle as well. And you're not gonna get to know that unless you talk to people. Um, like I know for me, like I have struggled my whole life with feeling like I fit in, like I belong. And like my husband knows that this has been um, a very difficult um, thing, like even in our community, in our church, in school. And I don't show that, I mean, at least I try not to. But unless you talk to me, you're not going to know that. So um, I guess my closing thought is, unless you have conversations with people, you're not going to know what's really going in their mind and in their lives and the messages that they're internalizing. I think uh, something that I hear a lot that I think is like really well intended is like, oh, Ray, like we all have insecurities. Like we're all going through something, which like is true. I'm sure like every single person here has an insecurity that they're wrestling with like at this very moment, right? But it sometimes comes off really dismissive when you like make this whole like 20 plus year story about my race that is like not only personal but also systematic. Like, oh, just like another insecurity. Um, and so I think just like, like trying to understand um, and again, like recognizing that, like, just because like I struggle with certain things doesn't mean Kelly's going to struggle with those things, or Takesia, or so forth and so, or Kristen White, or Shroud, or whoever. Um, <laughs> um, uh, what was I going to say? 
oh, so like for instance, a really good example is like there's some black women who like it when you touch their hair, which is like seems like a really silly example, but it's really important. Uh, like there's some black women who are okay if you touch their hair, and there's some black women who are not okay with that at all, and they'll like punch you. Like uh, not me, but like you know. <laughs> so I think again, like trying to understand people's like personal stories and asking like, okay, so why don't you like it when people touch your hair or why are you okay with that instead of just making these like general assumptions. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes people make general assumptions because they don't want to be wrong and I think we have to like drop that fear of being wrong because we'll never get to truly understand anyone. Um, And I think we've all probably like been faced with these assumptions that we're still dealing with that still hurt us. And so I think like trying our best to try to understand people is really important. Um, but also like not pitying like people of color because that doesn't solve any problems either. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Our time, do y'all have any closing thoughts? It's okay if you don't. I just want to give you the opportunity to Yeah, so uh, my closing thought I think is um, that, you know, as a person of color, as a different race, we can't change that, right? But I, I want y'all to be aware like, I think it's going on, like what Lore like mentioned, like being white is like really something that highly like values in society. And even though we probably not seen much on TV, probably all of y'all probably not watch TV or advertisement, but like growing <laughs> up in like Thailand, they would have like an ad that promote like whiteness. All the skincare product, like, yeah. They're promoting white, they're like whitening slap on like almost every single box. Like it's unheard of. Like and they even have commercial that come out like either last year or two years ago that like they have like a woman who like in black and they like have like applied this skincare and become white and it's just like they really values that. Um on the other hand, like I think that even though we like can't change it yeah, I don't want y'all to pity about like, you know, what's going on, but I think, you know, like I would encourage y'all to just like, you know, participate in like those things, right? You know, I know Asian food is really scary, like <laughs> sometimes y'all think we eat dogs, right? That's pretty much a general assumption again. But some places do. Yeah, some places they do. I'm not gonna judge them or who who knows. But I think I encourage you like to participate in like maybe like different food culture, like you know, just start asking like deeper question rather than like how school is going or how's that. I think that's because you know if we not sitting here and tell y'all what's going on, y'all probably have no idea like how complicated you know these struggle or these subjects are for people like like us. You know, so. You know, just take time, appreciative. Like we don't want to be pity. Um, we, I think, I can't really speak for them, but for me, I like. I'm proud to be Asian, and I like enjoy, like, feed you guys or do whatever the Asian people do. Um, so yeah, like, you know, I'm proud to be Thai. Like, guarantee you that. So that's just my thought uh, and encouraging to y'all. Okay, so I just want to say I'm really like so proud of our community um, for trying really hard because this is like obviously a really hard topic for everyone, not just like for people of color. So I'm like so grateful to you guys for really being patient and understanding, even though like, you know, people say like things and they don't understand how that affects people like you guys have been like so encouraging in like the best way you know how and obviously we still all have a lot of growing to do but like my roommates like Sam and Kristen and Tate and Haley and Megan um and Rachel like um they're all white women but they try so hard to love me well even though they may not like fully understand um but then also like my beautiful black women like kelly and tavi who's not here who like are there whenever like i'm feeling really sad and don't know how to process things that's been like so um encouraging and so amazing so thank you so much and like i know it's really hard but again like i felt so supported um and obviously there's still a lot of personal struggles i'm dealing with but i think i'm like 
growing closer towards Christ and growing farther away from this lie that like it's a me versus them or like us versus them and like that's because you guys are surrendering to the Holy Spirit and really being humble so I'm really appreciative of that. You guys have given us um, a lot to think about and you've given us a lot to think about that's going to grow us and make us better and so on behalf of our church body uh, Vianette and Troy and Lorraine and Tom, we want to say thank you for taking the time to think through these hard things in a way that you can articulate and share with us and then being brave enough to share it with us. So thank you so much for doing that for us. So as I was um, on my way to church this morning, I was listening to the radio, and I heard the song Indescribable, and one of the lines that stuck out to me from that song was, um, incomparable, unchangeable, you see the depths of my heart, but you love me the same. And I think that that has resonated with me over and over again as we have talked about race in the gospel, is there's so many times that it's been such a struggle to think through and talk through. And a lot of the struggle many times is my own ugliness I see in myself sometimes. But knowing that my Jesus sees the depths of my heart and he still loves me anyway, I think is what makes it possible to keep thinking through this and to keep going uh, with these difficult conversations. Um, I found a scripture, and I want us to read part of it together, but I want to read you just a couple of lines out of it first. This is from Revelations 5, 9 through 14, and I think that I am reading uh, verse 9. I don't have them marked individually, but I think it's verse 9. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Our Jesus thought it was important enough to purchase for the Father people from every tribe, nation, tongue. Not just a certain group of people. And so when we're struggling to figure out how to think about this topic and how to treat people in a way that Jesus would treat them, he is the one we have to look at because he is the one that did that perfectly. And so he's the one that we have to learn from. So if you'll stand with me. I'm going to read all of this out loud, and I'm going to cue you on a couple of areas where I want us to read all together. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice they were saying, and let's read this together, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, and let's read this together, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. I want that to ring in your minds as we take communion together this morning. I want to, that to be the thing that you really focus on 
and really think about. Um, and as we go into the weeks ahead and you think about some of the things that you've heard this morning, um, this is what we need to come back to. And so if you. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.